Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. Brian Davis here, co-founder of Spark Rental, and I am super excited today to be joined by Nora Dunn, who is, uh, as she calls herself, the professional hobo. So <laughs> Nora, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to be here, Brian. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you know, I was telling Nora before we hit the record button that I've actually been excited for a long time to, to sit down and chat with her because so we've We've known each other through a, uh, a personal finance website group, I should say, for a little while, uh, but we've never really sat down and chatted. So I'm super excited to have Nora on because she, like myself, is an expat, spends most of the year traveling overseas. So today we get to talk to her about how she does that, uh, how she how she affords this lifestyle, and uh, you know how this all came about. So Nora, first and foremost, how long have you been? Homeless, as it were. <laughs> Proverbially homeless. Yes, I've been yeah. a professional hobo, uh, a pro professional homeless person uh, for 17 years now. Uh, it was, it was 2006 when I sold everything that I owned in Toronto, Canada, which included a financial planning practice. So I could just embrace this dream I had of just being able to travel the world on an open-ended ticket. And I am as surprised as the next person that I'm still going. Uh, <laughs> and I will qualify that and say that I do now have a home base, uh, again, in my hometown of Toronto. So uh, after 12 years of proverbial homelessness, I did come back to Toronto and I got a place here um, for personal reasons. Uh, but I will say it is nice to be able to have a place to come back to occasionally, unpack, unwind, repack and leave again. Uh, and, I, you know, sometimes I'm here for longer periods of time and sometimes not. Uh, if I look at the next 12 months, I'll be here for two of them cumulatively. So uh, it's a place to come back to, but it's not always a place to stay. But I can come and go as I choose. So it's kind of nice. I love that. And that's actually about how much time I spend in my home country of the US as well. I spend around two months a year in the US. We aim to anyway, my, my wife's an international school counselor. So we, yeah, we, we try to come back to the US, you know, one or two months a year. So what drove this in the very beginning? What, what inspired you to sell your financial planning practice, sell your, your home and all of your worldly possessions <laughs> and just hit the road with, with no end destination in sight? I, you know, I think it was a confluence of factors that got me to this place in, in, in life where I was ready to make this complete left turn. Uh, I would be lying if I didn't say that burnout were probably was, was probably part of that inflection point for me, uh, as it often is uh, for many people. I think when we, uh, we burn out, we're forced to kind of look up and take stock of our situation and <laughs> question some of our life choices. Uh, and one of the things that had been um, kind of a narrative that had been happening in the back of my head for quite some time was this idea that, I mean, I had a lifelong dream of traveling the world long-term in a culturally immersive way, or more appropriately, the dream actually was a lot simpler than that. Really, it was just a dream of being able to crack the cultural code of countries around the world. Like I wanted to get inside people's heads. I wanted to know how the children played. And this is why I call it a lifelong dream because it was actually, I was around nine years old when I watched this documentary about Europe and I was like, 
I became obsessed with how the children played. Like, what, what games do they play? How do they, I don't understand anything that's happening in this documentary. I don't understand the language or the food or the way people are dressing or the architecture. How do the children play? And that little seed grew up with me. And then I wanted to know how do the adults play? And where do you shop? What do you cook? What do you talk about around the dinner table? What, what's, how does, how do you operate? How do you live? And I tried multiple times with vacations to kind of get that inside scoop, but I was never anywhere long enough to really accomplish that, including my last ditch attempt <laughs> at doing this on a vacation was I spent a month in South Africa. And I thought, I'm going for a month. I'm going I'm to be there for a whole month. Surely, surely that is enough time for me to crack the code of the country, <laughs> which inevitably, if anyone has been to South Africa, you would know that was nowhere near enough time. Nowhere <laughs> near very, enough time. It's a very nuanced country. Um, but frankly, I would argue that any country would not be, um, a month would not be long enough to really crack the code such as it is. So uh, that was when I realized I was turning 30. And I thought, am I prepared to put another 30 years into the traditional workforce? doing what I'm doing right now, waiting for retirement to live this dream. And I thought, you know, I extended, I thought about the 30 years and then I thought about what would happen in 30 years. And I worried that I might be unwilling or even more tragically unable to do those things that I wanted to do around the world come that time. So I realized that the cost of not selling everything was actually greater than the cost of selling everything and trying out this new lifestyle. So off I went. Uh, I didn't know what I would do, where I would go, or even how I would make money along the way. I just knew I had to go. And ultimately, everything else sorted itself out. Although I wouldn't necessarily suggest to anybody that they do it the way I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. And I love so many of the things that you just said. And one thing that really jumped out at me is that the cost of not acting is often much higher than the cost of acting, even though that's sort of a, a mental fallacy that you know most of us have right you know we get caught in this cycle of inaction because that that seems like it's easier it seems like it's lower risk but it's really not uh, mm -hmm. as anyone who has spent too long in a dead end job can can tell you <laughs> right uh, <laughs> so i love that now so you as a as a nomad you you move around so how, how long do you typically spend in each place where you where you stop and hang your hat for the night over the years, this has changed dramatically and it continues to. So, I mean, there were some times and some places along the way where I traveled so slowly, it was imperceptible. <laughs> As in, I was there for up to years at a time. Uh, and then there were other times in my journey when I traveled so quickly, uh, one year in particular, I think it was 2010, um, it's all a blur, um, where I traveled so quickly in that year, the longest I stayed anywhere that whole year was two and a half weeks. The on average, I was changing beds every five days for wow. 365 days. I mean, it damn near killed me. I needed six <laughs> months in a near comatose state to recover from that. Um, but that's one of the beautiful things about this lifestyle is that you can go as fast as you want, as slow as you want. You can change up the pace. You can, you can, you get the call of shots, all of them. Uh, so on average, I like to say that a sweet spot is about three months per destination. But as an example, right now, this year, I'm averaging more like month, one month per destination. But I'm using a couple of tools and services that are new to me. I'm experimenting with new ways of living and traveling around the world. And I'm experimenting with some services that take some of the work of travel off my plate that allow me to go a little bit faster, i.e. one month per country, uh, and to just try out a different pace and see how that works. So <laughs> stay tuned. All right. Okay. So yeah, I, I love that kind of slow travel mentality, even though I don't 
really practice it <laughs> myself. Uh, out of curiosity, you mentioned that you're you're using you're experimenting with some some travel support services to take some of the the planning burden off of you. Mm-hmm. What what are some of the or what not necessarily the companies themselves? Although I, mm-hmm. I'm curious about that too. But what kind of services are they providing you to, to make travel easier for someone like yourself? So there are, I mean, prior to the pandemic, there started to be tools and services to help people who work remotely have travel lifestyles and to connect people with these lifestyles together. Uh, But since the pandemic, of course, the doors have been blown open on the demographics of of the number of people who can work remotely. And by, you know, by extension of that, the number of people who would like to try traveling long term while working remotely. Uh, And so what I'm experimenting with this year, and it came as a result of feeling like I'd lost, I didn't really have any community of people who have my lifestyle. Uh, And I thought, okay, this year, I'm going to be really committed to developing that community in a few different ways. And the way that we're talking about right now is called co-living and co-working programs. So the degree of assistance that you get varies depending on what you do and how you do it. The most done for you that you can get is uh, from, uh, as an example, a company called Remote Year. And their initial product offering uh, that started in 2014, befitting of its name, was a year-long program where you pay them one fee and you show up to the first destination and then they will take care of you for 12 months You will live, work, and travel with the same group of people at a rate of one month per country. They give you a co-living space, co-working space, uh, local amenities on the ground, a full-time local coordinator to hook you up with activities, transportation between destinations, all the things. And uh, you get to live, work, and travel with a bunch of people who are also doing the same thing. So that's the most done for you you can get. And later this year, I am going to do a four-month program with them through Africa, which I'm excited about. Then there's some, you know, a step down from that would be one month programs. And there's a lot of different companies that do these one month programs where you have to get yourself to the destination. But then again, you just pay one fee. They hook you up with, uh, you know, amazing place to live that is befitting of the lifestyle. You often, there'll be a co-living style space where you do share common area spaces like kitchens and living rooms. They'll give you a co-working space. Uh, They'll give you, again, local amenities, community coordinators, people who can help grease the wheels of uh, helping you again have this community style experience of living and working in a new place. Now, just to stop, and I'm gonna do that with uh, in August uh, or September, I'm gonna be doing that in Estonia with a company called Hacker Paradise. Awesome. So I'm really excited about that. Now the, the benefits of these are people, one of the things that people classically underestimate when they get into the travel lifestyle is the amount of work it takes just to well, not only just to survive, but to even just the logistics thereof. Like, let's think of it. You've got to choose the country that you're going to be in. Then you've got to choose the city. Then you've got to find a neighborhood in that city where you want to stay that's going to be safe and have the amenities and things that you want to do. This is all before you even show up, right? Then you're going oh, to yeah. find the actual accommodation within that neighborhood. Then you're going to make sure that there's going to be, you know, fast internet so you can get your work done. Then hopefully there's a co-working space nearby. Then you've got to book your transportation, your flights to get there. That is a monumental amount of work and you haven't even shown up yet. Then you show up and you have to learn how to survive. Where do I buy my milk? How do I get my coffee? Where do I do my laundry? All of the daily tasks of life that we take for granted when we don't travel are a whole new world on the road. And it's half the fun as far as I'm concerned. But what people underestimate is the amount of time and energy, more specifically, it takes to do those things. 
So if you can outsource some, and let's not forget, we're working full time as well. We are not oh, on vacation, right? That's yeah. the other major misconception about this lifestyle. Oh, you're on vacation. You No, you need, a month is not a long time to be somewhere when you're working full time. When you work full time at home, how often do you go out and do something that could be considered the equivalent of a touristy activity? Right. Maybe once or twice a week. Right. So you need more time to actually discover that destination. So anyway, that tangent, sorry, <laughs> I'm known <laughs> for tangents. <laughs> so those are the sort of programs that can outsource that kind of work. And that's what I'm experimenting with. I've been writing about these programs for years, but I had not experienced them myself, partly because I had not really seen the value in them. I was always a do it yourselfer. I always did it myself and I did it in the bootstrap sort of inexpensive, cheap way. And that's fine. But it wasn't until I met someone who had participated in a lot of these programs and also had this amazing network of friends around the world who he could connect with at any time because he had lived and traveled with these people through various co-living, co-working programs and experiences that I understood that not only is there a great value in outsourcing that actual work of figuring out the, the the booking and all that sort of stuff. But then there's also great value in being able to connect with like-minded people and to do it with other people and have that community. So for me now, I'm experimenting with this new balance of community as well as local integration. So stay tuned. No, that makes total sense. And I love that. And, you know, it is a challenge when you are an expat or a nomad, you know, the, the social element of that is something that a lot of people don't talk about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you touched on that some there with some of those services that they, they connect you with like a, a pod of people who are also having this experience alongside you, in addition to the logistical support of, you know, a place to live, a place, you know, co-working space and, and so forth. Um, so that makes total sense. I love that. Um, and, you know, to your point, when you work full time remotely uh, and you live this lifestyle, uh, you're not a professional tourist here, right? I mean, you're, you actually are working. Uh, I've, I've had this experience where my wife, Katie, and I spent a month living in, in Genoa in Italy when she was on her summer vacation from, from working at a school, but I wasn't. I mean, I, I was still trying to get a business off the ground and working full time. And, you know, so she got bored. You know, she's walking around every day, bored to, bored to tears. And, you know, I felt like I barely scratched the surface of, of, <laughs> of, of Genoa. Exactly. So. And that, that's a perfect illustration right there. Uh, and that can be really challenging too when one partner is not working and the other is because and that's a perfect illustration of, of the really stark differences of what's possible when you're working while traveling versus being on vacation. Well, so let's, let's dive into the working component of this for a second because mm -hmm. you, know, you are not retired, uh, you, you do work. So how, how do you pay for this, this lifestyle of yours? You know, it's interesting, quite inadvertently, I ended up coining a term uh, called financially sustainable travel. Uh, because like I said earlier, when I when I sold everything to travel, I didn't know what I would do to make a living. I, I didn't even like words like remote work, location independent, digital nomad. They didn't exist yet. So I was just figuring everything out along the way. And it was somewhere along the way I had what I thought was a, a brilliant original idea, which uh, was neither uh, original nor brilliant, but uh, it did work for me, which is. I realized that with a laptop and an internet connection, I could make a living as a freelance writer. So those were my initial career ambitions starting in 2007. And uh, as a former financial planner, I was able to parlay my financial expertise with my travel experience. And I had this interesting little deal where I was getting hired by finance publications to write about travel. And I was getting hired by travel publications to write about 
finance. And somewhere in the middle, I found myself carving out this niche as the finance of travel girl. And, uh, and in so doing, as travel blogs became a thing, suddenly my website, which is theprofessionalhobo.com, uh, gained some international uh, notoriety. Uh, not, I also accidentally started an international NGO. That kind of helped. Uh, long story. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so financially sustainable travel then, what, what happened in those first few years of full-time travel is is ever the financial planner, of course, I was tracking my expenses and my income. And when I tracked my expenses in the first few years, I was shocked to discover that my cost to travel full-time was way less than I ever thought it would be. And so much so that I, I realized, I was like, I got, I got to tell people about this. Like this is, people could do this. This is, this is achievable for anybody, you know? And so for my first 10 years on the, on the road, I tracked and published my annual ex- uh, expenses, all in, business, personal, everything, and my annual income. And I did this to prove that travel could be financially sustainable. So financially sustainable travel, very quickly, is based on three pillars. The first of which is earning income remotely. It could be an active income, such as through telecommuting or running a business online, or it could be passive income, such as through real estate or other investments, uh, or even a retirement income. Then the second pillar is making creative conscious choices for how you spend that money. So get yourself out of the vacation mindset. Think longer term. You're not staying in hotels. You're renting accommodation on a longer term basis. That inherently will save you money. Or you could take that even further and you could get your accommodation for free. I saved over $100,000 getting my accommodation for free in my first 10 years on the road. And there's five different ways to do it. And I was staying in glorious places, just in case you're conjuring up some image of me staying in a cardboard shack at the side of the road. That was not <laughs> the case at all. In fact, I was staying in beautiful like mansions around the world, doing things like house sitting, home exchanges, volunteering, and having these amazing local experiences, but also saving a ton of money while doing that. Uh, so those are the examples of creative conscious choices that you can make when you spend uh, your money. And then the third pillar of financially sustainable travel is just balancing the money in and the money out so you can sustain the lifestyle as long as you wish. Now, that makes total sense. And, um, you know, do you mind sharing, you know, what your typical living expenses look like today? Uh, and if if not, then, you know, rewind us to a time when, when you were publishing those. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious. And I think a lot of people are curious about, you know, what a lifestyle like this costs. And, you know, you know, thinking, can I do this myself? You know, so, yeah, any, any numbers you can share about your expenses living in this lifestyle, I think, would help illustrate that for people. I'm often asked to produce budget templates and spreadsheets for people so they can do this. So they can like plug their numbers in and have a, there you go. There's your budget, budget for long-term travel. And I always resist that because it is dramatically different for everybody. And it's so dependent on, first of all, if we look at these, these pillars of financially sustainable travel, the spending choices you make depend on the money that's coming in. If you're making, you know, a ton of money, you're going to make way different spending choices than if you are bootstrapping a business and getting it off the ground. So in the initial years, I was bootstrapping a business and getting it off the ground. Uh, what shocked me was that in those first two years, uh, each year, my full-time expenses, like every single penny I spent was $17,000 each year. And I, was, I mean, I, it happened the first year and I was like, that was really weird. And then it happened the second year without any intention, it was exactly the same again. And I thought that was when I was like, wow, okay, there's something to this. 
Now, in those years, I was also um, exploring these free accommodation opportunities, partly to save money, but mostly to have these epic experiences around the world that I could not possibly have planned or even paid for any other way. So it was satisfying a few different, you know, kind of goals of mine, not only of being able to spend less money, but then also to be able to have a creative experience. Uh, so in those first 10 years, my expenses ranged from 17000 to, I think, 35000 was the highest. And that was a year when I had, I mean, there, listen, there was a lot of really unfortunate, terrible things that happened that year. So there was a lot of unforeseen circumstances that made that a more expensive year than the average, which was really about 24000 Now, that said, in those years, I was really leveraging a lot of free accommodation opportunities, and I was doing everything myself. I was, I was, I, so I was spending a lot of time and energy doing all the things myself in order to, to be more solvent because of the money that I was earning at that time. So since then, my income has gone up and I make different choices now, uh, which is why I'm now experimenting more with the outsourcing of some of this work and some of these right. co-living, co-working programs. I now have a home base. So I'm making different choices about how I spend my money uh, in order to see how you know again i'm still uh, sustainable i'm just making different choices uh and i'm living and traveling around the world in a different way so uh, and that is something you get to do and redo and do over again and invent and reinvent and redesign your life as many times as you want uh, as long as you're cognizant of those three pillars there's so many different choices for how you can live around the world also too discretionary expenses like if you like scuba diving or skydiving, guess what? You got to put expensive. more money in the budget for yeah. the, the sort of way that you want to live around the world. Uh, for me, I, I don't have any really expensive hobbies. I, I love hiking, pretty cheap. Uh, and, and I love, strangely enough, this is going to sound weird, but intrepid travelers will get this, supermarkets. I can spend hours in supermarkets. I love it. It's the best <laughs> cultural exploration you could imagine. Now, granted, I'm not going to be doing that all the time. It's not the only thing I do. But those are the examples of the sort of things that you can do and not spend a lot of money. Uh, my other thing that I really love is Latin dancing. So I will find Latin socials around the world. Again, super cheap, an entire way of connecting with, a, with locals around the world and uh, getting some exercise too. So well, it's all good. <laughs> well, I love it. So Nora, I, I want to be respectful of your time here, but one of the things that we focus on in this show, you know, obviously we talk a lot about real estate investing, um, but it's for the the broader purpose of lifestyle design, like what you have done, uh, you know, designing your ideal life, even if it's a little quirky, a little different, a little off the beaten path, you know, especially if it's those things, right? I mean, that is, that's the whole purpose behind you designing your own ideal life. Even living that lifestyle without necessarily first reaching financial independence. And I love that you did design and create your ideal life long before reaching financial independence. I don't know if you, you know, have, consider yourself to be financially independent at this point, but it illustrates that you can live your perfect life long before actually reaching that you know, so-called finish line of financial independence. So I would love to hear any parting tips that you have for people, whether they are, you know, financial and investing tips or travel tips or, you know, lifestyle design tips, all of the above, you know, any, any parting advice or, or tips for people out there who are intrigued by this idea, but, you know, are a little hesitant to dive in headfirst. 
So I will say that from a financial planning perspective, it's it's interesting. I I occasionally have like a like a reel or a video that will go viral about me talking about full time travel, and uh, you know, of course, one of the immediate assumptions that someone who doesn't know anything about me, who has just seen a thirty second reel about me, will make an assumption that I'm a you know a, a trust fund baby or a, right. you know any one of these things, right? Um, and um, the, the reality is I'm not. Um, but I will say that um, you know, again, ever the financial planner. Uh, plan for your future, right? Take care of yourself. Make sure you are investing for your future. Future. There's a common narrative for some reason in in a lot of entrepreneurial digital nomad circles that uh, oh, I'm just going to keep working for the rest of my life. And I say, no, you're not. Oh yeah, why not? You know. And a, a, a friend of mine who's a travel writer actually uses that as an example. Oh, well, I mean, it's not like writing is all that difficult. Why why <laughs> wouldn't I just keep working through to retirement? And I'm like, because your brain is not working as well. As you age, it's a fact. You're not going to be able to keep up, uh, you know, mentally, but even technologically with someone who's 30, 40, 50 years younger than you. Uh, so, and, and, I, and I watch it happen, you know, like you, you are eventually going to just not have the sort of energy. So make sure that you financially plan for your future while you're busy living this amazing present day lifestyle. Uh, I was lucky in that I was 30 when I took off to travel full time. So that means that in my 20s, I saved uh, and invested aggressively uh, for my retirement. And so I had a decent portfolio that I just invested and basically bomb proof the portfolio and ignored it, knowing that there were enough compounding periods between then and when I might need that money in retirement that basically is my nest egg. Having said that, I also continue to monitor it and make sure that it is still doing what it needs to be doing. And I continue to invest more money every year uh, in different ways and forms. So it's definitely important to, to it's not a, um, it's not a laissez-faire, I mean, it is a laissez-faire lifestyle for some people, but it is not necessarily so. And all kinds of people will uh, embark on this lifestyle and it does not need to come at the expense of your financial future. In fact, I would argue that it should not. Well, I love that. Uh, <laughs> and I wholeheartedly agree that you, you can live uh, a, a lifestyle by your own design without it costing an arm and a leg. Uh, and you can, you can ditch that high stress job that, you know, is, is burning you out again, without living like a pauper. Uh, you exactly. can have yeah, exactly. So uh, on that note, we, we will, of course, put a link to the professionalhobo.com uh, in, in the show notes and in the comments. Uh, how else can people connect with you if they want to learn more about what you're up to and, and you know, tips uh, for a more intentional lifestyle? Well, the professionalhobo.com is certainly one of my, uh, my main home bases. Uh, and actually, I am offering anyone who's watching this a free gift. It's a, it's a checklist of 10 things to do before you travel long-term. And this is gonna be, give you some of the guts of what you need to think about and prepare in advance of your travels so you can hit the road stress-free uh, and know that everything is arranged and going to be fine in your absence. So um, all you have to do is go to the professionalhobo.com slash free gift, and that will be waiting for you. Uh, I also have a, a pretty active YouTube channel with a series called Travel Smart in Style and a lot of uh, gear and uh, reviews of products and services that can uh, be helpful in the remote work lifestyle as well. So if you go to YouTube and search for Nora Dunn, you will find me there as well. Well, Nora, thank you so much for coming on today. I love these kinds of conversations. And you know, I hope that one day our, our paths will, will cross uh, out in the world somewhere. Wouldn't that be amazing? I hope so as well. 
All right, guys. Well, we will see you next Tuesday. So stay in touch. Shoot us an email at support at Let us know what you want to hear about, and we will catch you on the flip side. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah.